This week's sponsor of the Fastest Known Podcast is VJ Shoes. Founded in Finland, VJ has been making performance outdoor running shoes for over 40 years, and now they're finally available in North America. With the best grip on the planet, VJ Shoes have helped the world's best trail runners, sky runners, participants in orienteering, and even obstacle course racers achieve their dreams and win world championships. Listeners can get $40 off of VJ Shoes by going to vjshoesusa.com slash fkt and entering code FKT40 at checkout. Welcome back to the Fastest Known Podcast, and today we're talking to a gentleman from Keene, New York. That's right, a Northeasterner. I'm talking with Ryan Atkins. Welcome, Ryan. Excited to be on the podcast. Good. Well, it's so fun to talk to people from back east, if you will, because a lot of the activity, just like ultra-running activity, tends to revolve around the West and Western United States, which is too bad because obviously the East has got great tradition, great roots, great FKTs. And indeed, you have 16 FKTs on our site. <laughs> I'd like to invite the listeners, as I always do, to you know go to the website and type in your name, Ryan Atkins, and they all come up there. They can check them out. But some of the highlights uh, are, of course, the Prezi Traverse, super classic, very competitive, and then in the Adirondacks where you are now. So let's just start with the first one, the Presidential Traverse. Boy, this is, this is, <laughs> I've done it myself a few times. It's so good, and of course, it's so competitive. So what do you have to say? Oh, man. Well, um, like the Prezi is just, it's such an awesome route. Uh, I, th- I think for me, it's like, you know, one of, one of the more historic roots in the in the united states and um yeah when i went and ran it i just it was like on a bit of a whim i had a friend who uh wanted to run it as well um so we just we got up at 4 a.m um it was about a four-hour drive from uh from Keene, uh new york here and then we we blasted over there uh he dropped me off at one end drove around to the other side and we uh ran it in opposite directions high-fived in the middle and um when I got to the other end, I had uh, it said a FKT at the time, which is pretty pretty awesome because I know that's like a, it's a pretty sought after route, and there's a lot of people kind of you know vying for it, and um, yeah, and it's like a super classic. I know now it's been brought down again um, to an even quicker time, but I mean maybe uh, maybe 2020 is the year to head back and you know give it another <laughs> shot. <laughs> well, that's how it goes in the Northeast. So on the Prezi, the single traverse, there's 11 male FKTs listed. And indeed, oh, yeah. yeah, indeed, <laughs> after you, you did yours. And by the way, once you have an FKT, you always have an FKT. That's that's kind of the good thing about it. Uh, it's rad. like once you've won a race, you've always right. won the race, even if someone does it faster later. And someone in typical Northeast style went after, went, reduced yours just three and a half weeks later by right. a whopping five minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's competitive. Totally. Yeah. Um, Lee is actually, uh, I think he's the guy who kind of took it back from me, I believe. And he's, uh, he's from New York. Um, and he's just, you know, a total rock star of a runner. So him and I have gone back and forth on a couple records, like the great range record, uh, as well. And so, yeah, he's just a awesome dude. So it's, cool to see it's cool to have you know people out there and people from the northeast who are you know exceptional runners and uh there to push the standards well something we've commented on this podcast before 
is that out west, people might explore, might do the OKT, the only known time, and find a new route, a new ridge traverse, whatever it might be. But back east, there's a little less options for that. You know, it's it's a little tighter. And so people get fast. People get competitive. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, like the trails here, especially in the Adirondacks, they're so, like the woods are so dense and like, um, like you do have like some nice bald summits with great views, but once you're back in the woods, it's like, it's alpine and it's, you know, pine trees and they're five to 10 feet tall and they're probably like 300 years old and bushwhacking through them is an absolute nightmare. <laughs> so <laughs> you're, there's not really appealing to like say, Hey, I'm going to do this new route and bushwhack over from this peak to that other peak. And, you know, Set this only known time because you know you'd be there for a week to <laughs> try to do it. Good point. Yeah, uh, when I first went there, which was a long time ago, I noted that a lot of the trails uh, in the trees are up creek beds, and oh, so yeah. you know, they're mostly dry, mostly. But then if it <laughs> rains, you're walking up a creek bed. Oh yeah, yeah. When you're when you're going up a trail and there's you know if it's rained recently or it's raining, you you might as well be swimming because uh, you're not going to stay dry. So it's pretty fun. <laughs> I really, I really love it. I love how gnarly the trails are here and um, just raw. And it's like, a, it's kind of like basically when people showed up to this area, they wanted to go up the mountains and the, you know, they would bushwhack in alongside a river. And then the most, the easiest path was to up the creek bed. And so that's became the roots. And then to this day, that's still the roots. So most of the trails um, are those original, you know, pioneered routes. They haven't been cut switchbacks and they haven't been, you know, built water bars. Um, they're just rugged and raw and the way that kind of nature presented themselves uh, to the world. So pretty neat. Right. Yeah. Well, unlike the, uh, I think there's three classic, I'm, pardon me. I mean, there's many, many, many there, but the three classics in the White Mountains, which is the presidential traverses in, is the Pimmy and then the Hut to Hut. And they also right. they have more extensive below timberline, but the Prezi just cranks. I mean, mm. you crank up. I'm not sure which direction you went. Probably uh, you probably went out of uh, Crawford, I imagine. Yeah. And so. It just cranks up to the, what's it, what's that, it starts with, oops, I forgot, it starts with M, the first hut up Madison? there. Oh, Madison, that's coming from the north, you know, the other end, the south oh, end. Oh, Mitzpah. Mitzpah, see, they're both yeah. M's. Right, <laughs> so it's Mitzpah to Madison or the other way around, and those are just steep cranks, but once you get above Timberline, you stay above Timberline. So the Prezi yeah. is sort of unique in the east, in that is largely above Timberline, it's largely on big rocks. Totally. Yeah, and uh, I mean, the, Washington is notorious for its weather, and it's it really only gives uh, gives you, you know, a handful of days per year that you would even be able to set a fast time on it, because I mean, the winds are just pretty wild, and uh, if there's any kind of weather there, um, it's really hard running to begin with, and that would just up the ante and make it, yeah, not conducive for fast times. So everything's kind of got to work out for that one. Right. Indeed, Appalachian Trail people, people are going for the entire AT, have gone south to north and come into the Prezies and gotten you know, lost 
a day because they couldn't yeah. do the traverse. And then, totally. boom, out, over, finito. And they, they had to abandon their entire – they were out for, like, at that point, you know, 40 days. And they abandoned their ATFKT attempt in the prezies, not that much far from the finish. Yeah. Yeah, that would be rough. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. But you live in Keene. Keene kind of somewhat famous as the uh, – it's quite close to the Schwangunks. The Gunks, one of the famous rock climbing areas in the early days of climbing yeah. in the Adirondacks. And you have the FKT in the Adirondack Great Range Traverse. And if one looks at that, it's the same people, isn't it? It's, <laughs> it's you and – Lee and um, um, Ben Nephew and Jan Welford. So, yeah. what's the what's the Great Range Traverse like? Oh man, um, I don't think I've done a trail uh, anywhere I've gone that I've enjoyed as much as the Great Range. It is uh, can't say enough good things about it. It's like you climb um, right off the bat. You do just over a thousand meters. Um, and then you get up and it's like, it's all these, they're all, uh, over 4,000 foot peaks and there's seven of them. And you're just kind of punching up, you know, 700 feet, doing a peak, dropping down 1200 to a valley, punching up another, you know, thousand feet to another peak. And it's, it's just in your face running, scrambling, like you're climbing up, you know, 10 foot boulders. Cause the trail is just so rugged. And, uh, and yeah, it's just like that. Like basically the whole way, all the way to get to the top of Marcy, which is the highest point in New York. And then you tag that summit and then it's uh, about 15 kilometers, like just under 10 miles downhill all the way out. And you can just, it starts steep and it gradually gets, you know, more mellow, um, starts super techy, gradually gets more runnable. So it's really cool because you're running down, you're trying to run this really technical train at the start and then the further down you get, um, you can start opening up and opening up and you're like, now you're running like six minute miles or faster. And you're just like looking at the clock and trying to get back to the parking lot. And it's, uh, it's pretty wild. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a great trail. It's got a little bit of everything. And, uh, yeah, one of my all time favorites. Nice. And as we're mentioning, there's nine male FKTs on that. And the last seven are in the five-hour range. So <laughs> yeah. it comes down in five-minute, ten-minute chunks. Here's <laughs> one. When you took it from your friend Lee, you, it was two minutes, 50 seconds faster. Yeah. This is over a span of five and a half hours. It was two minutes, oh, yeah. 50 seconds faster. Then Lee came back and bettered you. Then you went back and bettered Lee. So you guys are getting <laughs> after it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's pretty cool. It's – uh. It's actually pretty wild because, like, Lee is a total monster on the uphills. He's, you know, he runs, like, a 36-minute VK um, over at Whiteface, uh, which is which is Holland. So he always puts, you know, some time into me on the climbs, and then I kind of tend to uh, put some time into him on the descents and then, you know, um, really try to pace it and finish strong. So whenever I'm, you know, going after his times, it's always, like, uh, a bit of cat and mouse and like oh well he did this climb that fast and i only lost a minute and then i got a minute back and so it's really uh it's really cool seeing that in real time when you're um trying to break someone's record and like you've you've done the work and you've gone into strava and seen their splits and totally nerded out on everything um 
which I just, <laughs> I, I, I love that stuff. So it's, it excites me. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. You, you know where you stand. You're, you're checking yeah. the watch as you go. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Well, probably less so for the Adirondack high peaks. So this is a classic because what's it's standard. It's what each state, not each state, but many states have this. So the yeah. high peaks is the 46 highest summits in the Adirondacks of New York, most over 4,000. Now, of course, there's the Colorado 14ers, yes. uh, the California 14ers. There's the <laughs> Idaho 12s. There's the Montana 12s. Yeah. And then there's the New Hampshire 4s, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so this yeah, is the 46 of yeah. in New York. This is great. Right. This is great stuff. So it's the same type of style in that you you try to link them as much as you can. But if you get down to a trailhead, a friend's going to drive you in the car to the next trailhead and off you go. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I did the supported record. Um which, yeah, you can get kind of lifts from trailhead to trailhead and things like that. And you can, uh, you know, um, have a little nap in the van on the way or do something like that. So that um, definitely speeds things up. But uh, the way the route works here is it's, um, well, like like any, you know, list like you were, uh, any other route like you were describing, it's kind of up to the runner, you know, how you're going to string them together. And uh, I think that's like, a big part of the fun. Um, so actually, uh, Jan Walford, he's, uh, he's from Keene as well. And he, um, he had the record before me. And so he's, uh, he kind of helped me come up with my route and he actually paced me through some of it to, uh, take his record. Um, which is pretty special. It was a bit of a, you know, passing of the torch and him and I are like backcountry ski partners and like, uh, you know, we do stuff down here together all the time. So it was, uh, it was really awesome having him, you know, help me out and help me come up with the route that made the most sense for me. Um, and made the most sense over the terrain. Yeah. That's classic FKT action, isn't it? He was helping you. Oh yeah. Yeah. He was, uh, he was definitely instrumental in the, in the whole record. So nice. that was great. And, and I think he cleaned up the route a little bit. Now, an epic, uh, legendary guy, Cave Dog, is the person who established this. Yeah. But he he apparently started the clock at the first mountain rather than at the trailhead. Now, it's always really should be at the trailhead, I think. So I'm glad that got cleaned up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So when Cave Dog did it, um, he actually joined some clubs and um, to use some private lands in order to like kind of bypass certain trails and take some shortcuts in that way. Um, and he also, like you said, he didn't start from the trailhead. He started from the first summit and finished on the last summit. Um, and then when Jan did it, he really wanted to clean up the style and stuff. So he started from the first trailhead, but as the clock was ticking down (laughs) on the last summit, um, he only broke cave dog record for by an hour and so he finished on the summit even though Jan really wanted to finish at the trailhead so then when I did it I did it trailhead to trailhead so um Jan was pretty excited about you know that even cleaning up the style a little bit more making it something you know I didn't use any private land I stayed all on um you know areas where anyone can use no trespassing that kind of stuff so um that was really important to me and uh I think the way that 
you know, going forward. So the next person to try it can, uh, you know, hopefully follow the same, the same ethics. Excellent. Good description. And that indeed is how it goes. As cave dogs, Ted himself would say, indeed, out in the Colorado 14ers, we're still doing some of the things that he established back when he had the Colorado 14ers record, things that I'm not sure if I, if I appreciate or not, but if you get the record, you get to decide what style should be done. In. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that, maybe, that's yeah. good. That's fair, fair ethics. And that's comes from climbing. Yeah. yeah in, exactly. in rock climbing. If you, uh, the first ascent party, you know, doesn't use bolts, then you don't really want to go back and bolt it. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes it's fair, but generally you, you follow the style of the first ascent party. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Totally. I'm, uh, I'm all for that. So, you know, uh, I'll just put it out there. Anyone listening wants to come and, you know, try the 46er, um, great route, uh, do your homework and have a wicked time. Cause yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it was, it was like a really special, special, uh, special time for me. It was, um, you know, I don't want to get too philosophical, but you know, when you're out there for a couple of days and you're, pushing it almost becomes like a bit of a spirit quest in a way and uh and i just had so much so much dang fun out there it was it was really wicked so yeah nice well speaking of so much fun i'm looking at your <laughs> 16 fkts here and one that stands out a little bit is the kalalau trail so yeah. that was uh january of a couple years ago two years ago <laughs> yeah that, speaking of wicked fun that's of course goes along the Nepali coast mm-hmm. on uh, Kauai, Hawaii. So that's that's a little different than the Adirondacks. Yeah, it's it's definitely a little different. Um, <laughs> a bit warmer, uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, my wife and I were there for uh, on a holiday, and you know we were just running around. And um, I I mean I love the uh, the FKT website for that. Whenever I go somewhere, it's like one of the things I check. Uh, you check the weather, you know, you check flights, then you see, you know, if there's any cool FKTs to run, um, in the city or, uh, or an island in this case. And sure enough, there was, it's always like the crown jewel of, you know, the area. Um, so the Kalalau Trail, uh, it didn't, didn't fail to deliver on that. Uh, came and, um, just, just ran it, ran it hard. And it was, uh, it was a beautiful day. I actually had such a good time. I think we went back and ran it, you know, a uh, total of, I think I ran it three times when I was there. Cause I was like, why not just keep going? So yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> it's really cool. Cool trail, beautiful, like fun footing. Um, yeah, it's great the whole way. So. Right. Um, I love the Kalalau trail and it's, here's an interesting aspect to it. I want your opinion on this, Ryan. So when I went there, people were saying, Oh man, this is the toughest trail. This is so hard. It's just so slippery and watch your steps. You don't fall to your death. And I went there and it was casual. I mean, I love the trail. It's spectacular. You're on the Nepali coast, but technically speaking, I felt like taking my shoes off and doing it barefoot. So what (laughs) what did you think? How'd it go for you? Well, um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I think it, it all depends, like, what the person's background is. Like, if you were comparing it to, uh, like, a manicured trail somewhere, the, um, the last section, you are kind of along a little bit of a cliff, and there are some places, some no-fall zones um, that you go by that uh, you kind of have to be aware of. Um, 
So that might freak some people out, but I mean, overall, I totally agree. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty good footing. It's pretty soft. When I ran it, um, there was, it was a bit wet, um, a bit muddy and slippery, but like, you know, it was manageable and, um, yeah, it was great. It was, uh, I don't know about taking my, my shoes off there, Buzz, but, uh, <laughs> but it was, uh, yeah, it was wonderful. And like when I came back, I ran it hard, but then when we ran it again, um, we spent a bunch of time at, you know, at the far end at the beach, like eating fruits off the trees and hanging out <laughs> right. and having a swim and stuff. So, uh, I think it's funny because a lot of people, a lot of people who hear about FKTs or hear about, you know, FKTs in beautiful places, they have the opinion that like, oh, you must have missed everything or, um, why would you want to run in so rush through a beautiful place so fast like that? Like you wouldn't take anything in. And like, to me, it's like, I see that point and I like doing trails slowly too, and take my time and, you know, soaking it up. But it's also an incredible experience to move fast through a beautiful place. Like that's a totally, totally different experience. And I think that, um, yeah, they both have merits and why not do both if you have time? Good point. And I certainly agree <laughs> with you, Ryan. That's how I did it too. I went out there pretty quickly, but once I got out there, it's like, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Colorado <laughs> Beach is epic. It's like yeah. the scene out of a movie. It probably has been the scene out of a movie. I spent certainly 40 minutes out there. Oh, yeah. You could you know, just stand underneath a waterfall and drink everything you want just by opening your mouth, guavas oh, coming yeah. off the tree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and actually, f- funny about that, when I read I read someone's trip report and like you get out there and you're on this beach and it's kind of like the trail just kind of fizzles out. And then there's all these like campsites and there's not really sure what's going on. There's no like trail markers or anything like that. And, but luckily when I had read someone's uh, trail report, it said they went and touched the waterfall at the far end. So ah. that's what I did. I ran all the way to the end of the beach, you know, put your hand in the waterfall and then have a little drink and run back. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's some good data there for anybody uh, anyone doing that trail. <laughs> well, good use of the FKT website. I do the same thing, Ryan. When I'm going somewhere, I just got back from a trip to California. I go on the, our website. And it's a bucket list. And wherever oh, yeah. you're going, this is going to be the bucket list of the coolest routes. Strava is great. I use Strava for everything, but it, you can't navigate it. It's just it's everything. Everything no. is there. Some guy is putting on segments between two <laughs> random mailboxes and like whatever. But yeah. this one, you know, Peter Backwind is curating everything that comes in. Totally. Yeah, I think the fact that it has that element of being curated and having the quality control, um, it really makes for uh, a special collection of um, or a special resource uh, for everyone. Just uh, like, yeah, anywhere you go. What am I going to do? And I always know it's going to be five stars. So, cool. Nice. I'll, I'll mention, I'll elaborate on this just for a second in that VJ Shoes is a sponsor of this uh, next few podcasts, which we appreciate. And we also really appreciate when people donate through Patreon or just send a donation in because it, Peter does an insane amount of work. I, it's hard to. For outsiders to know that three or four FKTs are being submitted every single day, and he looks at each one and sorts them out. So if the route isn't clear, he responds, straightens the whole thing out, 
And for example, an hour ago, someone submitted an FKT for Mount Whitney, but not starting at Whitney Portal, starting from down at Lone Pine, the city, uh-huh. which gives it almost 11,000 feet of vert. Cool. <laughs> it's like, wow, <laughs> cool, interesting idea. So if, if people feel like contributing through Patreon, uh, please do. If you like this podcast, please rate it. Give us some stars. It helps. It helps promote it and helps spread the word. So thank you for my little plug there. And yeah, Ryan, and I, go on. I can just, uh, you know, elaborate on that. I, I run in the VJ shoes. They're a sponsor of mine. So, but I mean, they're, um, for anybody out there who hasn't tried them, uh, bar none, the grippiest rubber you'll find anywhere. So if you, if you're scrambling or if you're going up the flat irons or if you're basically doing anything where you, um, want grippy rubber, uh, yeah, there's, there's no other shoe. I've, I've run in like basically every trail running shoe that, um, has ever been put out in the last five or six years. And, um, yeah, nothing grips like them. So yeah, try them. So the Pretty outsole cool. has a, has a grippy rubber. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So they, um, they actually do like a, a vulcanizing, um, step in their, uh, on their rubber which basically no other shoe company does um, just because it's very time consuming and it's really hard to get the, uh, the temperature profile. Right. So um, yeah, like it's, it's crazy. The, you can put them on and you can put on a pair of any other shoe and, you know, walk up something and uh, yeah, it's, you can really feel the difference, which is, it's like, you know, it's like when sticky rubber climbing shoes came out and all of a sudden people were pushing the grades. It's kind of like a similar um, effect uh, with these shoes. Good point. Because sometimes you feel fine, but then it rains and you're yeah. on boulders, <laughs> things get slippery. You can just, you can get hurt on very casual terrain. So the sticky rubber outsole really helps. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Big believer. Um, yeah. I actually do a lot of obstacle racing and it's like, you're always running up, you know, wooden ramps or things like that. So having the sticky rubber, that's kind of like, how I was introduced to the shoes. Uh, and then I've just taken them everywhere I go. And, you know, whenever I'm running FKTs or whenever I'm running, I use them for the Adirondack record. I use them for the great range. I use them for the Prezi. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a big, a big advantage, but now I'm kind of letting out all my secrets. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Good point. Yeah. Well, I didn't know you did OCR. Um, I see you've done a few ultras. You did the Broken Arrow Sky Race in yeah. Lake Tahoe last year. You had, a, you had a good place on that. I might note that I just spoke with the co-founder, Andy Anderson, a few days ago. So a little heads up, listeners. Andy Anderson, a person very few people know about, but he's an amazing endurance athlete. He has the FKT to this day on Long's Peak and the Grand Teton. Uh, he's in an upcoming podcast. Yeah, what a legend. <laughs> and uh, yeah, great race, Broken Arrow. I had so much fun there last year. And it's, um, yeah, great race. I think there's, uh, I think there should be more sky races in the, in the North American uh, kind of area. So that's a good one. And I know there's another one um, going to be out in uh, Western Canada, um, Crow's Nest Pass, which, uh, I'll be at this year too, which is, uh, oh. pretty, it's exciting to see some of the more technical, you know, sanctioned events that they see in Europe all the time coming over, um, over to us. Right. 
And good point. Europe has been doing this for decades, literally for decades. And America has been a little more trail. We call it trail running. They've never called it trail running. They've always called it mountain running. And it's different. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I really love the super technical uh, trail running and routes and the ones that you get up high and they, the views take your breath away and so do the climbs. And so um, that, that style of racing and running really kind of speaks to me. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, Ryan, on that note, what do you have coming up next? Oh, coming up next. That's a great question. Um, yeah. I mean, here so, it is. It's, it's February. The nights are still <laughs> long and the days are short and there's snow on the ground, at least where we live. So yeah. we, we got to be doing some thinking. So, yeah, actually, in um, in a few weeks, uh, I will be riding my fat bike through northern Ontario and northern Manitoba. And we're going to fat bike um, what is the world's longest seasonal road. So there's a, there are these seasonal roads that they put in um, from community to community up in um, northern Ontario and northern Manitoba. And so there's these tiny little communities, and they're normally only accessible by bush plane. But a couple of weeks every year, they build these ice roads and... We just are, we're going to ride our fat bikes down them. So we're doing, uh, unsupported. It's about, uh, just under 500 miles. Um, we'll be, oh, 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 wait, wait. I got, I hit the pause button here. Oh. This is amazing. This is amazing. I've never heard of this. I understand it though, <laughs> because in the summer, it could be boggy. It could be weird at different yeah. times. It could be difficult. And indeed, oh. where you're from in the Adirondacks has a total history of this. The logging industry there, they would do all the cutting in the summer, but then not, that's, that isn't how they took them out. They would wait for snow to come on the ground because they didn't have good right. technology. Then they could drag them out in the snow. So you are, like, you have heritage here. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, me and some friends were going to go. Up there, we did a similar ride last winter um, in northern Ontario, but we're going further north um, and further west, and we're going to actually be riding right by uh, um, near Hudson's Bay up there and by some polar bear um, national parks. Hopefully, we don't see any polar bears. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of like the next the next come, upcoming thing on my list, and we're going to be uh, raising funds. Um, as we as we ride for uh true north aid which is like um it's an organization that kind of helps out the um the local communities there's uh, actually tremendous poverty up there and um it's really eye opening to see uh that level of poverty in north america so um yeah you know get get eyes on it experience the culture um do a cool ride um hopefully not lose any toes or fingers um Last year is about negative 40 pretty much every day, and it will probably be pretty similar this year. Um, <laughs> it's pretty cold wait, to wait, be I got to hit the pause. Yeah, it's really <laughs> cold to be in your bike. So, yeah. two things. Do you have a website for this? Um, yeah, I'll have to send you the link. But, um, yeah, we just went live okay. with all our plans. And, uh, yeah. If and so people could to, donate? Could people yeah. donate to the cause? All right. That would be so wonderful. So in the people. written in the written show notes on the web our website, uh, I'm going to put your link to your site for this uh, project. Cool. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. Um, 
yeah, and I guess it will be a, a first only known time um, on bikes. Um, so there we go. And uh, yeah, anyone else can go back and go back and do that adventure whenever they want. Or <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so yeah. five hundred miles unsupported. Yep. How long do you yeah, expect that, that to take? Um. So I mean, it's it's totally. We're totally at the whim of the weather and um, kind of the road crews. And um, last year, a storm rolled in and we were kind of stuck in our tent for a couple of days. Um, so conservative effort, we're thinking, you know, 10 or 12 days. But I mean, if we hit like if we knock the weather out of the park and things like that, um, you could do it in eight days, I guess, um, would be kind of like wicked fast. Uh, but yeah. Wow. Wow. Um, so that means you're taking 12 days of food, 12 days of food, 12 days of fuel. Um, yeah, all the, all the good stuff all loaded onto our, our bikes. Our bikes were all said and done just over a hundred pounds, uh, <laughs> last year when we went. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's pretty wow, fun. I'm glad I asked what you're doing next. I had no <laughs> idea. This is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, always always something fun coming up down the pipeline. So, uh, yeah, it'll be a good one. Okay, well, I think I'm going to fly out to Kauai and do the Kalalau Trail just to <laughs> warm myself up after just listening to this. <laughs> right. Yeah, you'll be about uh, 100, 120 degrees warmer than what we're in. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, uh, listeners, go to the website, and you'll see the FKT website, and we'll have the website for... Uh, Ryan's, um, wow, what are you calling this trip? So it's called the Wapusk Trail is um, what the route we're doing. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're just, yeah, that's what we're going to ride. So okay. it's called well, the Wapusk Trail, okay. which is uh, well, Wapusk is Cree for polar bear. So um, it's very appropriate. Very appropriate. <laughs> and like you say, Hopefully they've got enough to eat without you. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, we carried a shotgun last year when we did it, and um, we might carry one again this year. Um, we'll see. Wow. Okay. Stay tuned, folks. And, uh, <laughs> Ryan, this is a delight uh, from uh, a brief sojourn in Hawaii up to Manitoba, but mostly in the Adirondacks, classic spot, northeast United States. It's a great job, Ryan. Thank you. Yeah. Cheers. <laughs>